everyone. Welcome to the Loudwire Podcast. My name is Graham. And I'm Joe. And today we have an amazing guest. We always have an amazing guest. Today, Richard Christie from Death, Iced Earth, Charred Walls of the Damned, and of course the Howard Stern Show. Such a legend. We've been looking forward to this one for such a long time. Cannot wait to talk to this dude. Yeah, and he's one of my favorite drummers. He got me into a lot of metal when I was really early, like my first death metal album with Sound of Perseverance. So like, I've been a huge fan of Richard Christie for ever since really I started listening to metal, like maybe one, two years into it. So this is going to be a lot of fun. And one of my favorite prank callers of all time. I mean, Joe and I, we actually went to college together. We lived together for two years. All and- Graham would do was play these prank phone calls if it wasn't creed shreds three it was prank (laughs) phone calls (laughs) it's true and we would listen to the tradio pranks and the public access pranks the majestic triple uh fur coat washing machine oh my god basketball hoop calls just absolutely amazing we love richard for so many reasons so we just had to invite him so get ready to sit down and shout let it out sit down and shout look out over caffeinated over tired let's do it All right, Loudwire Podcast and Richard Christie from the Charred Walls of the Damned, of course, from a lot of other great bands on the Howard Stern Show, as well as here. Thank you so much, Richard, for stopping by. Thank we you guys for having it. me. Oh, this is awesome, man. Uh, you guys got a nice studio. I love oh, this. Oh, come on. <laughs> this is, you come from the Howard Studio, where it's like <laughs> half of a, a wing of a building that's like beautifully <laughs> tailored and filled yep. with horrific memorabilia. <laughs> There's no. not, a loom, not a lot of room for streaking over here. <laughs> no, I can't Don't wait. worry, I'll keep my clothes on. <laughs> Thank you. This is actually, I can't think of anyone else who I've seen naked so many times before I actually met them. Oh, my, my mother-in-law has seen me naked on TV. So oh, it's, no. Uh, <laughs> Does that get awkward at times? No, or? she's cool. She's really cool. So. As long good. as it doesn't happen at Thanksgiving. No, I'm, I'm very... No, prof- that's more of a Sal thing, I think. <laughs> I'm a very professional person yeah. uh, when I'm not at work. Of course, the new charred walls of the damned record, Creatures Watching Over the Dead, September 23rd. Uh, make sure to pick that up. And of course, Richard Christie played on one of the greatest death metal albums of all time. Of course, we're talking about uh, Crotch Duster's Big Fat Box of Shit. <laughs> Which is, I swear to you, that's one of my Desert Island albums. <laughs> that's awesome. You know what's so great about that album is the people that know about it are so mm-hmm. hardcore into it. I've never heard anybody who who says something like, Oh uh, yeah, I know Crotch Duster, but I just mildly like that album. It's like if you know Crotch Duster, people freak on that album, and I it's know. it's the genius of uh, Jason Sukoff, our love- guitar player in Charred Walls of the Damned. He's he's hilarious. He is really funny on that. I've heard more people sing Mammal Sauce than I've actually heard <laughs> Mammal Sauce itself. Oh, he's got to come out with his own ma- like a actual bottle of Mammal Sauce sometime. I would buy it. Uh, yeah, I'd buy it. I don't know what the hell would be in it, but. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever, did you play on that or did you actually, or did you just do that voiceover for that I, one Yeah, time? from what I can remember, I was so drunk when I recorded <laughs> that. I, uh, you know, I, when I was in, in Florida, I lived in a storage unit for eight years because I was just, you know, uh, so into metal. I just wanted to be around my drums all the time and it was cheap. But there was a fire at our storage facility 
one night and so for about four months while I, our storage unit aired out i had to move in to jason sukoff's laundry room <laughs> which is where uh, audio hammer studios is now which, yeah. which is where we record the charred walls of the damned albums and i just remember him making the crotch duster album uh and bits and pieces just you know we just get drunk and go he'd go to the studio and goof around and I, just one night i was drunk and he asked me do an intro say you're having a richard christie beer fest in dusseldorf germany and and so now people mention that to me and i'm like uh i kind of remember doing that but you might need to refresh my memory about what the hell i said at uh, the beginning was, of that song just welcome to my beer fest <laughs> <laughs> hope yeah. you're having a good time <laughs> like, yeah, that's the uh, gist of it pretty much yeah, yeah and then uh i didn't play on it uh i think it was mostly from what i remember drum machine but uh okay i don't know that i could have played a lot of that stuff it's insane <laughs> it was pretty it was pretty ridiculous oh it's great people always are asking him to do another one of those albums i yes please i i i didn't we, we met someone the other day who like did a voice on that and i think he put it really oh, yeah. well he put it really well by saying like it's the most beloved metal album that no one has ever bought. <laughs> like, like that. And kind of like as to what you're saying, like people just have such love for that album. Yeah. And just, there's so many inside jokes. And so if anyone is listening to this and hasn't heard that Crotch Dust record, just pick it up, <laughs> give it a few spins. It'll, it'll uh, soak in into your brain eventually. Oh, it's a classic. I love it. I, I gotta, I gotta have a few beers and, uh, refresh my memory on that one again. the amount of times that me and my friends have sang mammal sauce drunk is just doing like <laughs> the harmonies and about. stuff i've heard it sung more by people than i've actually <laughs> yeah, heard the song it's, it's, doesn't yeah. he at the end of it doesn't he do like danzig singing mammal sauce he does or something like, oh god he does like, danzig and then like my mammal sauce. <laughs> something like that and then he does like the like the douche rock my mammal sauce is the best mammal sauce <laughs> like it's <laughs> God, I could uh, I could talk forever. I he's think. a master of voices, that guy. I remember one night when we were, I think it was while we were doing drums for this, the newest Charred Walls of the Damned album, we went out and had some drinks, and, and Jason hardly ever drinks, and he was doing shots of vodka. And when he does shots, he loves doing his voices. He'll do his dancing. <laughs> he does an awesome John Tardy from Obituary. Oh, oh, uh, he does an awesome Glenn Benton. And uh, so I had him sing... I want your sex, but as Glenn Danzig, John Tardy, Glenn Benton, <laughs> like uh, Dave Mustaine, all these oh. different singers, and uh, it was incredible. Oh it was so freaking funny. I'll have to see if maybe we can uh, put that on YouTube or do a hidden track on the Please. next Charred Walls <laughs> album with that. Oh, beautiful. Uh, and uh, it's interesting that I was looking through the press release for the Charred Walls record, and uh, you are saying that a lot of the lyrics that you write being the, the main lyricist of the band, you try to stay very positive uh, in terms of what you want to write about, which is somewhat odd for metal because a mm -hmm. lot of it's uh, about negative things, maybe not for negative reasons, but exploring negative subjects. So what is it about the, I mean, the brighter side of life that inspires you for this um, kind of thing? I don't know. I just find, for me, it's easier to write lyrics about things that I love and things that make me happy. Like on our first album, the song Blood on Wood, which a lot of people got a kick out of the title. It sounds a little it, dirty. Yeah, it's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty it's, amazing. It's uh, a Thanks. One. It's actually about one time when I was practicing drums, like actually practicing for the first Charred Walls of the Damned album, and I looked down and a couple of blisters had popped on my hands and yeah. my drumsticks were covered in blood. And, and it just inspired me so much to think, wow, this I love this 
thing of drumming so much that I'm willing to bleed for it. So it's things like that that the lyrics come way better for me and I can kind of relate to. So I do write about negative things. Like I tend to write, there's been a couple songs. There was a song Zero Span on the last album and then a song called The Solace on the new album about uh, just things that I observed living in New York City. And one thing I know now that I observe now in New York City is that most everybody just stares at their phones while they're walking yeah. and they don't kind of look around and enjoy life. And so well, people I, are catching Pokemon recently. That's it that's too. <laughs> yeah. When that came out, I was like, Oh, that's exactly what the song, the solace is about, yeah. which I mean, it's fine if people do that, but people run into me all the time and it's like, yeah, that's you got to watch where you're going a little <laughs> bit and you got to look around and enjoy life. So I wrote the lyrics for the solace about that, how it just seems like sometimes you can be so absorbed in your phone or in your computer that you're not enjoying life. And sure. to me, it's a positive thing to think, you know, we're only here for a short time. Let's just look around and enjoy it. Yeah. And would you say now working on Howard Stern, I mean, you guys are just laughing nonstop that it's kind of hard to put yourself in that like negative headspace to write dark lyrics that yeah, laughing so much. It's it is. Like, it can only be good. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm uh, I'm very fortunate. I have an awesome job that I love. I have an awesome wife. Uh, I live in New York City, which is an awesome city. I, I really don't have a lot to complain about, luckily. And I'm also in my 40s now. I'm not that, you know, teenager that's getting, yeah. you know, mad at my homework and stuff. So <laughs> uh, I just, I don't know. I'm just a pretty positive person. And I, I like to think that when people listen to Charred Walls of the Damned, even though it's a very evil and scary sounding name, and we have that kind of scary horror vibe it's it's actually a pretty positive band and i just want people to listen to the music and have fun bang their heads and kind of take themselves out of the the problems of the world for the short time that they're listening to our music yeah totally it's it's always a pot of positive experience listening to metal like oh, I've, I've never ever listened to metal once in my life and like it depressed me more except that well except for shining like Swedish black metal oh. band. But I was going to say like, that last Morbid Angel album depressed me. Pretty <laughs> but that's, that's for the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, but but, Tim Young is a freaking awesome drummer. Yeah, he's, he's really machine. talented. He's insane. Man. He's my buddy's roommate in L.A., my oh, buddy yeah. Jerry. And so when I, whenever uh, Tim's out on tour and I'm in L.A., I get to stay in Tim's room. So thank you, Tim, if you're <laughs> listening. You get to play, oh, yeah, two, you get to play with each other's sticks horrible <laughs> I, li I, I leave them sticks alone that's a stupid thing to say bump sticks rub sticks i'm just gonna we sort five with our sticks <laughs> um you know i actually um i actually did an internship in the serious building in all the way back in 2009 i did an internship for opie and anthony back when they were still together and like uh of course so i kind of know a little bit about going in there so early in the morning and, and what a grind it really is. And like, it's almost like, I feel like I know what it's like to have kids now because it's like that <laughs> kind of tired that where you yeah. just, afterwards you get home and you just crash. You feel like you're dying. Like yeah. you're going home sometimes. Um, so, you know, for you, how do you find the energy to be creative? Because when I was doing that stuff and getting there at 4.30 in the morning and staying till 11, like I had no energy to even think. Um, you know, it is hard with my schedule, um, but I'm I'm being creative in ways that I'm doing stuff that I love and, and you know, it doesn't feel like work to me. I'm so lucky that I have a, a job that I love and 
and at night when I'm writing guitar riffs, I'm doing it because I love it. It doesn't feel like I'm having to force myself to do it. Mm -hmm. And also in the last six years, um, thanks to my wife, I've really gotten into running. I've started eating healthier. Uh, I lost about 50 pounds. Yeah, and you're I looking just, wow. you're way better than when you started on Howard Stern. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, New York food will do that to you. When I moved to New oh, York, yeah. I went nuts. I ate every at every pizza place. I ate at every Italian restaurant. I was just going crazy. So, How many raised pizzas did you eat at? Oh, a lot. Of <laughs> every raised. I never got to do the original one before it closed, unfortunately. I don't even know which one that is. That oh, was, they talk now? about it oh. in the movie Elf. Like Santa Claus that right? tells uh, Will Ferrell where the original raised oh, is. Oh, where so. the original original Yeah, but is. I think, unfortunately, it closed down a few years ago, the original Bummer. one. But, uh, but yeah, so that's helped me a lot. Just uh, have more energy. I'm um, eating right. Uh, I run after I get off work, and that helps me a lot. And I, I just, I don't know, I'm pretty lucky that, you know, and coffee helps. I'm drinking a coffee yeah. right now. <laughs> I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just, I, I love, I'm very passionate about all the things that I get to do. So I never really feel kind of tired, being tired from it. Yeah. I mean, I was. I was uh, another thing I was surprised about with the positivity of of the lyrics is that I know that that environment can be a very toxic place for some people because you're going in there early, you know, you're tired, you're over caffeinated. A lot of the time, you know, uh, when it comes to radio and everyone is perpetually on the air, like anyone is looking to throw you under the bus like at any time, you know, even though if it, it, you know it's all in good fun and all that stuff. Some people don't cope with it well. A lot of people will blow up and, you know, people have heard that on the Stern show. You've never really exploded. And yeah. that that makes me curious because even in, I was just there for four months on Opie and Anthony and I exploded at people constantly. <laughs> so. I, You know, I got to credit my parents. They're real, really mellow and I've yeah. always been a pretty mellow person. Um, the only time I'll really explode on something is... Uh, which that sounded very uh, dirty <laughs> and sexual, <laughs> but I'm not. I wasn't referring to that. Uh, I freak out on technology. I get so mad at my computer. Okay, <laughs> sure. And uh, you know, I kind of take my aggressions out on on my computer at home. I go, I just go nuts with that, or if the cable's not working or something. But yeah. I, I've never been one to kind of freak out on other people. I just try to, you know, try. I'm. I'm uh, I'm actually, my religion is Dudist. I uh, follow the teachings of the dude from Big Lebowski. And if something's Stay going chill. wrong, all you got to just say is, can I, I can, can I curse on here? Yeah, you can curse. Ah, fuck it then. Yeah. yeah. That's saying, what you it? say. Like like the dude says uh, to, the, to Lebowski, he's like, ah, fuck it. You know, sometimes you it. just got to say, oh, fuck it. <laughs> you know, that's life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, going in for this, uh, Charred Walls album. You've got legendary musicians on this thing. I mean, uh, Steve DiGiorgio. Who's played on just everything. Everything mm-hmm. is now, you know, testament, death, everything. And oh, he's he's the man. Phenomenal. You got Ripper Owens, obviously, you know, one of the, he's the, man one of the well. few people who was able to really uh, well fill in for like a legendary singer and Rob Halford. And then Jason Sukoff as well, who's put his stamp on just about everything. Like, and it makes me wonder, you know, having worked with um, 
legendary musician like Chuck Schuldner in the past, do any of these guys remind you of Chuck in any certain way when you're in the studio with them or writing music with them? Well, I mean, definitely since Steve DiGiorgio was also in death, you yeah, know, we yeah. talk mm-hmm. a lot about Chuck when we're hanging out and when we're jamming and, uh, you know, it's, it's really inspiring that I still get to play with Steve after all these years. And I remember hearing him in Sadus back in the eighties oh, and, yeah. uh, and then, on the human album which is like to me one of my all-time it's maybe my favorite metal album of all time but unfortunately uh the bass was pretty low in the mix you can uh, if you listen close you can hear some you know that he was insane what he was playing but it's a little hard to hear but then i know chuck made it up to him with the next album individual, individual thought, thought patterns because yeah, yeah. the bass is cranked on that album mm-hmm. and it's awesome and it's so cool i remember um I think Chuck called Steve like the frog or something because he would do these like ribbit type things on the bass that just <laughs> oh, sounded yeah. so freaking awesome. And Man. so it's it's just such an honor to still be jamming with Steve and, and uh, to be able to talk about Chuck with Steve. And, you know, Chuck taught me so much as a songwriter. I got to watch him put together riffs and, and, and see how he would put together songs. And also I had never been around somebody that was so amazing at um, – putting lyrics and and vocal melodies to music and so i really i learned so much from chuck and uh you know it's thanks to him and also john schaefer from iced earth he was an amazing songwriter and just getting to to be around those guys uh definitely influenced me and made me a better musician and a better songwriter yeah and another thing you were talking about is that when you were a kid as a metalhead you were getting bummed out because your friends started taking acid and started listening to like the Grateful Dead and stuff, yeah. and you're like, I was like oh. screw that!" And it scared you away from taking it because you're like, yeah. "I don't want to not like metal anymore." Yeah. You want to turn into a hippie? Like, <laughs> that's what. Which you know, if people want to listen to Grateful Dead, that's fine, but it just wasn't for me. And no, uh, that's what the lyrics for. There's a song called "Lies" on the new uh, Charred Walls record, and that's what the lyrics are about. Just how uh, I remember, I was actually doing yard work at my grandma's house and my two friends came by and they stuck out their tongues and they had little things of oh, acid, acid on their yeah. tongues and i was like oh it kind of freaked me out because in the early 90s growing up in kansas you know even marijuana was still really taboo was like, it okay. yeah it was super taboo i remember I used to read Rip Magazine every month. Yeah, it was sure. like the greatest magazine. I remember Sebastian Bach did an interview about how he loved to smoke pot, and I remember <laughs> it was a. It's hard to believe now, but back then it was such a controversial interview for Sebastian Bach to be admitting that he loves to smoke pot, and uh, and it was just you know at that time seeing my friends doing acid, it, it kind of freaked me out, and also I knew. I didn't. My parents were really cool. I didn't want to disappoint them. They were fine with me drinking, but I didn't really want to go past that. But then, about you know, a few weeks or a month after my friends had done that acid, they really started listening to a lot of Grateful Dead and yeah. non-metal music, and they kind of just got totally got out of listening to metal, and that really brought it home for me that I I don't want to take the chance of doing acid and not being into metal anymore yeah, that's so not, not I, worth uh, it. you know i i haven't smoked pot since like 92 and i just drink beer now and you know whatever anybody else wants to do is fine but for me 
I never wanted to take that chance of doing anything to alter my brain where it would damage that metal-loving part of my brain <laughs> and make me start listening to, you know, Engelbert Humperdinck or something. Well, there's your, P- your, there's your PSA. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Let's get into a rocker versus writer. Today, the rocker Richard Christie, the writer Loudwire's Joe DeVita, and today's the topic of which metal album would make the greatest horror movie. So, Richard, what do you think? Definitely King Diamond's Them. Oh, Them. Ooh, okay, yeah, I yeah. I always thought, man, he should, King Diamond should write a script to go along with that album because... Sure. The story of Grandma and and Missy and the house, it just and the video for Welcome Home. I think that looks that's a perfect you know demo reel for a horror movie to take to a director and say, I want to turn this video into a full length movie. Yeah, and the wheelchair and the tea and everything. There's so many cool aspects to that album. And, you know, if I win Powerball one day, I want to finance a, <laughs> uh, a horror movie directed by John Carpenter and starring oh. King Diamond. Uh, now, and if I win Powerball, I want to turn Abigail into a movie. That, too. I mean, you can't go wrong with any of King Diamond's albums. Like, no. uh, The Eye. I would love to see The Eye as, as a movie. I love that story. Whenever I go visit Salem around Halloween, I always listen to the eye. You have the headphones on listening to that one walking around? Oh, totally. Totally. Yeah. I'll listen to the little eye of the witch while I'm walking through that little cemetery in the middle of Salem. And, uh, it's funny too. There's a cemetery in Queens that I always run to. And especially now that it's, uh, 67 days till Halloween, I'm counting (laughs) counting, uh, as it gets closer, Uh. I'll go to this cemetery and just every, Day when I run, listen to a different King Diamond album. Oh, beautiful. And uh, like the Conspiracy album, At the Graves, oh, like is mm. is the perfect thing to listen to when you're jogging through a cemetery. So, But definitely any King Diamond album, and especially for me, the album Them, I think would be a perfect horror movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going with Abigail. You've got a dead baby eating <laughs> its own other dead corpse at the bottom of the stairs after she has possessed some woman to throw her husband down the stairs Mm -hmm. possession everywhere lots of really gruesome stuff um i mean adventuring away from king diamond we've still got some pretty weird ones like macedon's blood mountain yeah so that one for those who don't know is about taking the crystal skull up to the top of blood mountain and then once you do that it will remove the reptilian brain and then humans could advance on to the next step of evolution. And then there's all like the monsters, like the Sisquatch that could see into the future. Sleeping Giant is Sleeping also Giant. a monster. Yeah, I love that did. album. I didn't know that, any of this, that this was the story of it. Oh That's freaking God. awesome. Yeah, you gotta... I gotta research into in that the, a little. It's a really great concept record. Like, they are they get really trippy. Like, of course, it sounds trippy. Mm-hmm. And you have like songs like Blade, Cla- Blade Catcher, which are just are, are just a complete... Like jumbles your brain. It sounds like a VHS tape that you rewound and like something got like stuck and now it's just going crazy. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Well, Braun is one of my favorite drummers ever. Yeah, everyone in Mastodon is one of my favorite musicians ever. On that instrument, yeah, Blood Mountain and like. um, Well, you could even throw in a little bit of Hall of the Mountain King in there too. Uh, Some sabotage. Oh, oh, that'd be a good movie. That would be good too. Uh, Yeah, I think 
Mastodon that might work. That might be like a, a Pan's Labyrinth type horror movie where it's like some yeah. weird adventure type uh, thing. Like, you know, he's going with a crystal skull, but he's like mm. encountering all these monsters and stuff on the way. That um, um could actually get your friends from back home, all, all the deadheads, maybe back into metal. Like, you know, that's acid, not a bad... see a Mastodon movie. Like, yeah, take that, the wall. Yeah, but they don't have any hair to bang their head anymore. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> Including me. <laughs> Brand doesn't have long hair. Bill doesn't have long yeah. hair. I don't yeah, have long true. hair. Yeah. yeah. But hey, and one album that I would like to see into a horror movie is like a more recent one uh the band behemoth the satanist oh yeah what, totally just one of the most evil albums that's i think ever and it's hard to out evil your predecessors i think because like it's almost like everything's been done but with behemoth i mean it's like i don't think any prominent horror movie has ever done the satanic uprising of bringing about armageddon with Christianity and Christian, uh, you know, preachers and stuff, unable to do anything about it. Yeah. I can't think of anything like that. There's a movie kind of like that called Day of the Beast. It's a Spanish oh, okay. uh, movie that's freaking awesome. And it's made by a metalhead guy and he's like wears venom jackets and yeah. stuff. And uh, it's pretty awesome. And then Lucio Fulci's Gates of Hell is. Uh, is okay. is kind of close to that. Yeah, it's a classic too. I'm a big uh, Coffin Joe fan. Oh that yeah, that stuff is From incredible. South America. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's amazing. That's great, and that's kind of like an anti uh, anti Christian movie in a bit. Yeah. I, in in the way that the main character is always questioning God and like daring him to strike him down and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing. Deathgasm was a good recent uh, metal demon oh, type movie. Oh, yeah, that one. I haven't seen that one yet. Oh, I think awesome. I gotta watch that it. One. And Nunslaughter is on the soundtrack. <laughs> yes. so you can't go wrong with Nunslaughter. Yeah, totally. But like, yeah. Raid the, the convent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but just those lyrics in, in The Satanist and also... Uh, Behemoth's music videos. Have you ever watched Behemoth's music videos? Oh, yeah. I've... They, like, some of the most terrifying imagery I've ever seen, period. Like, yeah. no matter, like, big budget horror, classic horror, like, the gore stuff, like, the stuff that they're putting out in those music videos is by far and away some of the most disturbing visual imagery mm-hmm. I've ever seen. And even though, you know, we're kind of, um, I guess you could say, uh, Oh, desensitized, I guess, in the United States with some I suppose. stuff. Yeah. But I think that it's still in Poland and, and around where they're from, people yeah. still get really freaked out by them. I'm sure. You know, I think they're still a very, very controversial band. Oh, of course. Uh, even in Poland, yeah. yeah. And I think what would be cool for that kind of film would be like maybe like a silent film for the Satanists where you just show all this really dark imagery. Because like mm-hmm. you said, we're desensitized, so you throw in dialogue and yeah. it's inevitably going to sound kind of cheesy. Mm-hmm. So if you have just silent film, maybe be even just the album as the soundtrack, like that could, that punishing, devastating, just pure evil sound from that album yeah. matched with all that imagery, you don't have to worry about anything else. Like you're conveying everything that you need to say right there. Well, you're giving away all your ideas. If somebody else goes and does this, they better give you credit. What I'd really like to start seeing happen with the music video format is, um, do you know that Storm Corrosion project between Stephen Wilson and Michael Ackerfeld? Um, Very, very little percussion on the whole thing. Portnoy was supposed to be involved with it at some point, um, but then they took it in a different direction. So very cinematic music. And then they had this really cool music video for the song Drag Ropes. And kind of like these little... 
don't even know how to describe the like the way that the animation that they did everything but the track was very loose because you don't have that percussion to really guide it and then you watch everything that's happening and it's this full story and i would love to see a band not just make a music video but make a con like a conceptual visual piece to accompany the entire the album. album yeah, yeah. Like so you get to watch long piece. yeah and you get yeah. to watch something start to finish and oh, as the music awesome. takes you through all the moods Man, speaking of these satanic movies, I, I keep getting all these uh, reminders in my head of these classic satanic movies. Have, yeah. Have you guys ever seen, I think it was called The Antichrist. It was a 70s movie, like an exorcist no, type no. movie. I haven't there's, seen that. There's a scene in it that is, it's the greatest scene ever. Because, you know, in Merciful Fate, uh, in the lyrics where it goes, I will kiss the goat in the oath, like which is mm -hmm. one of my favorite yeah, songs yeah. ever. There's a scene where they back a goat up to a woman's face and she licks its bungle. Oh. <laughs> like the satanic uh, thing is going on. And so that's a ritual, apparently. Yeah, I guess yeah, there's some the kind of ritual what that involves a uh, goat's butt butthole. But, All right. Uh, Grant, what are you watching? Well, now I gotta watch it. <laughs> I, I might be wrong, but I think it's called The Antichrist. And uh, I think it's from the 70s. I remember I watched it... Uh, at the old singer from my old band, Public Assassin's House, way back in the early 90s. Yeah. And if it's not just Google goat woman yeah, butt just, lick. Yeah, just Google woman licks goat's butt in that's satanic funny. horror movie. And that's, I, that's I'm funny. sure not too much will come up except for that movie. Except Faces of Death will come up, I'm sure. Yeah, oh, God, those used to freak me out. Those I used to get... That's what depressed me is watching those things. Because mm. I remember people would put them on at parties and it's like... I don't want to see this at a party. I want to be yeah. happy and drink, you know? I don't want to get all bummed out. And another album I'd like to see turned into a movie would be uh, Alice Cooper, Welcome to My Nightmare. Oh, totally. Yeah, well, he's in one of my favorite horror movies, Prince of Darkness. Mm. Oh, you didn't consider Wayne's World a horror movie? <laughs> <laughs> We're not worthy. Yeah. I love Wayne's World. But, oh, um, that album's great because like, you've got Alice doing the voice of kind of like the adult self and then Steven with the child and he's kind of that inner conflict back and forth mm -hmm. and um like you've got songs like Cold Ethel I was at an Alice Cooper show and I saw like a nuclear family sitting in front of me like husband wife son daughter all there for Alice Cooper and the kids who like couldn't have even been teenagers were singing the lyrics to Cold Ethel wow and if anybody doesn't know what Cold Ethel is about it's about <laughs> a stiff corpse and carnal relations. Yeah. So, yeah. So you've got the best this way nice, you could put it. Yeah. So you've got this nice family sitting there, but they're singing about having sex with dead people. Yeah. And you just completely why not turn that into a movie now? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Jeez. And so, I mean, that's I just cool want to. family. Or <laughs> <laughs> they, they've, there's no way they know. Or they, they probably haven't even, like, heard into it. They probably just listened to Poison once and were like, let's go see Alice Cooper. That could be. I don't know. You don't really know all the lyrics to, like, the fourth or fifth song on an album unless you're yeah, I don't, yeah, pretty I good, don't know pretty those good fan. lyrics. Yeah, I wouldn't know that one. Good for those kids, though. Yeah, I get uh, Good for those kids. Good for the kids. Um, We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> I think any Cannibal Corpse album, too, would be a great Yeah, I film. mean, just a straight gore. Yeah, just, I would go to... see a movie called Hammer Smashed Face or, yeah, you know, Addicted to Vaginal Skin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the second you one that I would one see. Yet? Absolutely. <laughs> I've seen that one in, like, the dark places of the internet. That's a bad one. <laughs> but, like, it, it's weird, because I know you're a huge horror movie fan, and I was... When I was thinking up, uh, you know, this whole what best metal album would make the best horror movie thing, 
I really couldn't think of any movie where Christianity doesn't win in the end in in terms of exorcism movies, like the mm-hmm. the demon possession movies or the ghost movies. Uh, it's always seemingly Christianity that comes through in the end that's able to defeat you know the the demons or the bad spirits or whatever. And when it comes to the Satanists, the whole thing is just one gigantic. Uh, ode to Satan and bringing upon the apocalypse and at the very end you know the Satanist is chanting up at at Satan to come join you know the devastation that he's seen so that's kind of one thing I would like to see a movie at the where at the very end it's like the Christians can't do anything about Mm, this to be powerless yeah Yeah. to be totally powerless you know even in like in Fright Night it's like the cross only worked when he had faith. Yeah. Right? So even just, he knows that, and in vampire movies too, every vampire movie, it's always like the cross, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like when you have faith and then the, the vampire goes away. So like for that not to work, I think would be a terrifying notion to a lot of people in real life. Yeah. For a lot of the reasons that people were so freaked out by The Exorcist when it came out. Because a lot of people, if you're religious, you think, okay, that can actually happen. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, would have, I would give anything to go back to 1973 and have seen that at oh, that time. Oh, God. You know, yeah. when, when movies like that would truly freak out a whole audience. Yeah, it's true. You know, I miss those days. Not even a whole audience, a whole society. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Night of the Living Dead's up there, too. The mm-hmm. one that really disturbed people and yeah. I think changed people children like when they watch <laughs> my parents talk about watching that one and they're just like we were never the same wow well i love uh, that you can go on youtube and watch there's a video of an audience watching john carpenter's halloween in like 1979 oh wow and it's just mostly the audio but you just hear the whole audience screaming and it sounds so cool it's like oh i want to go relive that which you know i'm pretty oh. lucky i'm a little older so in the 80s, I got to see a lot of horror movies when they came out. And I remember screaming and I remember people freaking out, you know, like Friday the 13th, part four and yeah. stuff like that. But, uh, you know, it's um, a good movie. Have, have you seen, well, I, I mentioned it before, but at the end of Pr- John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, um, the son of Satan starts pulling Satan's hand out of the mirror. And oh. to me, it's one of the most shocking and cool scenes of all time and you know like you said christianity wins in the end because they defeat satan the woman jumps into the mirror and brings satan back into the other world but man that point where uh satan's son is like pulling that huge red hand like demon hand out of the mirror it is so cool and scary looking and i always wondered I wish they could have got to that point where they brought all of uh, Satan out. I wanted to see what he looked like. You yeah, know? If, if only. But it always comes down to like that one cross or that one holy mm-hmm. character who's able to stop it. With yeah, him. this woman was able to stop Satan by jumping, you know, into this mirror and yeah. taking him back into the other dimension, and she became this kind of uh, uh, Jesus type figure they show at the end of the movie. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I suppose that's a miracle. Mm. <laughs> to stop Satan from coming through a mirror by jumping into it. Although, if I was her, I would have just kicked uh, Satan and kicked him back in the mirror. She grabs Satan's son and Satan and jumps into the oh, mirror God, with Satan's them. Son too. That's and smart. she gets, you know, trapped inside this mirror. And I would have just like 
you know, kick Satan's son in the ass right. and just push him in there and, <laughs> and still live. Yeah, so maybe not too bright, but still a, a yeah. murderer, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, that's Rocker versus Writer. Please let us know what you think would be the best horror movie based on a metal album in the comment section. All right, and uh, Richard, one thing that I like is awesome for me just sitting down here next to you is your drumming is so embedded into my early metal years thank you sound of perseverance was the first death metal album i ever got into oh wow um, i had one of my cousins uh then fiance's handed me four albums it was carcass's heartwork neurosis times of grace uh botch i can't remember the name of the album and then sound of perseverance wow so up until then it was kind of like a lot of like iron maiden halloween and mm. then those melodies and harmonies translated on sound of perseverance and then you're drumming is just insane and i everything i heard in death metal after that like that's what i measured it against wow, was you know all you. right well where's the drumming like all right well you know it's not as good as sound of perseverance <laughs> and then um like ice Earth's horror show too was another like huge one for me growing uh, up so it's, i'm blushing <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well thank you so much and uh just want to say like about sound of perseverance what was it like trying to construct all of those parts because i mean there's it seems like at sometimes there's just everyone in the band is just off doing their own thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, it does. It kind of reminds me of um, Jaco Pastorius did uh, yeah. an album where nobody listened to the other person playing and they all played different parts. Oh, I didn't um, know he did that. Yeah, wow. I didn't know. I actually didn't know that either until um, the documentary about him. Rob that came Trujillo's out. Yeah, the Robert Trujillo yeah. did, which was awesome. But um, yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember going into the studio the very first day that chuck and i went to morris sound um you know chuck played the guitar and i played the drums along with him and i remember jim morris looking at us and just shaking his head and going what the heck is going on here i gotta tell you guys i don't know what this is he was like it, it kind of boggled his mind but he loved it and he was so funny about it and, and we were we were like okay we're doing something right here you know but uh it was we were so lucky because I joined Death in summer of 97. We recorded Sound of Perseverance in April of 98, I think. So we had a lot of time to rehearse, and we used to practice almost every day. So we just had a lot of time to really uh, work on the songs, to get them tight. Uh, we didn't use a metronome or anything in the studio, which I think helps contribute to that really kind of chaotic sound and feel that the album has. Mm. Uh, you know, Chuck played guitar with me along with me while I recorded the drums. So, it you know, these days, a lot of times drummers will play along to a click track, um, and, and a guitar track that was already recorded or mm -hmm. something. So, it was cool that, that we, you know, back then we recorded on two inch tape. So, it has a very raw and live feel, which I love. And, uh, it was just so much fun to write those drum parts because Chuck. He would just play a riff and say, just do something crazy to that. And he was very, <laughs> uh, very open to letting me do whatever I wanted. And at the time, I was uh, like 22 or 23. And I was at that age where I just want people to hear my crazy drumming. I wanted to impress people because I spent so many hours practicing. I wanted to put so much drums into every little bit of space that I could, which I was, I was probably overplaying quite a bit. But... Uh, it definitely worked for that kind of music, and uh, I'm so honored that 
people still listen to that album and and that you know like you said that you love the drumming on it i think so. it was very ballsy opening up the album the way you did with just that that huge drum fill because it's like death at this point is already a pretty legendary band already putting out amazing records again we've talked about this a lot of time a, yeah, a band it's like that's where do you never, go from here a band that's mm. never put out anything but great material and you come out and immediately like I'm taking over this thing. Like, well, maybe not taking over, <laughs> but I'm here and check out what I can do and just a huge fill. And immediately you're like, damn, like I'm down with this guy. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. You know, you know what it was too is, uh, Sean Reinhardt and Gene Hoagland are such a massive influence on me as a drummer. Uh, you know, they made kind of help make me the drummer that I am because I practiced along to human individual thought patterns symbolic so much that um they're they're such a big influence on me i wanted to do something that really honored them and mm. and showed people that hey i i love them as drummers too and i want to continue their great legacy because i think when i came in no nobody had heard of me and they were like is he gonna measure up to these guys and i just sure. wanted to let people know hey you know i I want to come in and really honor these guys by playing drums that are just crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now, um, and you play in the Control Denied album too. And what's going on with this second one? We've been hearing about this for like over 10 years now. Legal disputes. Do you mm -hmm. have any update that you can give us on the you second know, one? You know, unfortunately, I don't. I, w I hope it still comes out. I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen with it. Um, uh, it's just I remember recording the drums for it back in December of 2000, and it was so much fun uh, to play that album. It's an incredible album, and yeah, I remember uh, you know hearing Chuck's guitars. Chuck recorded his guitars for it as well, um, and I remember rehearsing that album and Chuck writing the songs. And, and there's one song on there where the chorus of it. Um, we didn't there's really no time signature to it and it's one of the craziest things that we had ever played and i remember when chuck wrote it and he's told me on the drums he said uh don't even do a time signature just slow down then speed up and, and just let's <laughs> see where it goes wow. and it ended up being this one of the craziest things when we heard it back and and we just laughed because it was so out there and i hope people get to hear that because uh, it's just, I know Chuck was so proud of the songs and, and it's, it's an amazing album. So hopefully, hopefully it'll happen. I, I think it will eventually. It's just, it's just taken so much time. Like you said, with the legal things and different record labels and all that kind of stuff. Sure. If we could talk Stern for a second, uh, I would like to know you've been, you know, it's so weird. I was thinking about this day. You've been at the Stern Show for 12 years now. Mm -hmm. Absolutely incredible. And there's Thank been you. so many legendary moments, so much fun listening over the years. I mean, when you look back on it, you know, what's some of your favorite moments? What are the moments that pop out to you, like, immediately when you think of I mean, there's, there's so many. I mean, to get when my parents were on at K-Rock, that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> you know, the, they were so nice to fly my parents to New York and... Mm -hmm. Just to get to show them New York and, and everything, that was that's probably the uh, one of the definitely one of the highlights. And, yeah, uh, you know, and getting to kind of be a little bit of an ambassador of metal on there. Yeah, uh, very true. You know, getting to once in a while, I'll 
they'll play a you know death or something like that going into a commercial and uh yeah you busted out the drums there before yeah, too. yeah. I remember drums that. on there was awesome i saw you with a death shirt and this is like right around when i got into sound of perseverance mm. like we just mentioned and i was still in my own like little bubble you know you don't know other people listen to this type of stuff yeah and i was just like oh my god that guy's got a death <laughs> shirt i didn't even know that you know you actually played <laughs> on the album that i loved and i was like oh he knows about this band too and i was like ecstatic when i saw it oh thank you uh, that's awesome you know i I'll get, show, I, yeah. I get emails once in a while of people that uh make the connection that didn't know that it's the same Richard Christie that's on the Stern show that played, played drums in death. And <laughs> yeah. that's always cool when people kind of make that connection in it. And yeah, it's a weird thing that I went from, you know, being a, a death metal drummer living into a store living in a storage unit to being on the, the greatest radio show of all time on in New York City. So it's uh it's pretty cool to when people make that connection. Yeah. What do you think is the hardest that you've ever laughed in that studio? Oh, there's been so many times. I don't know. It's um, it's hard to say. <laughs> there's just been, you know, every day I'm dying laughing there. So, yeah. uh, you know, just, I don't know. It's probably some of the crazy stunts that we've done, but <laughs> I I can't just pick one spot out there where I laugh the hardest. I'm just always laughing there. I'm trying to remember that one name that Sal came up with on like a uh, on a prank call. That had you laugh so hard that you pissed your pants. Oh, <laughs> what was, was that? It was probably uh, the first name Gabe and the last name Athhouse. Oh, Ath Gabe uh, Athhouse, right? Got, yeah. And we got a radio, uh, like a, a oh, God. another radio show to say the <laughs> there name. There have been so many uh, great. We got fake an item names. on sale from Gabe Athhouse. <laughs> Joe's dying laughing right now. <laughs> it's just uh, that's my sense gay, of humor. And, yeah, it was like the the southern like Christian tradeo things mm, too. Yeah. Oh, the, God. the God bless for segment that went on for like five minutes. Oh my God, I've, that's oh, one of the things you. I've laughed the hardest. Oh, at. I get terrorized those. It just. And that's if you don't know, that's where Charred Walls of the Damned came from. It's yeah, one of those yeah, shows. Yeah, we pissed off a Christian uh, radio show, and they, the guy said we'd be scratching our nails on the Charred Walls of the, da the Damned. Oh, uh, God. You think you'd be surprised to find out that your album's actually pretty positive? He <laughs> <laughs> probably would be. He probably doesn't ever want to hear from me again, whoever <laughs> named that band. <laughs> what was it? Oh, God. What was it like meeting um, that Jonah Falcon guy? Was that oh, a funny thing? After? I never. I didn't meet him because he wasn't oh, a big didn't? fan of uh, us, so we stayed so away. So you, you stayed away from. Yeah, him. I didn't want to bother. If there's the guy. one guy that you really terrorized and like broke his head, it was just him. Just every time. Grant, fill the listeners in on who Jonah Falcon Jonah is. Jonah Falcon is the world record holder for the largest penis in the world. I think it's like thirteen and a half. <laughs> on on a cold day and <laughs> he's the guy that every other guy in the world is jealous of uh, a little bit and then he had some public access show like talking yankees mm -hmm. and then he'd be like hey i'd like to talk about a rod because okay what's your question uh, how big's your penis? <laughs> and he would freak out. Yeah, who wanted to talk oh. about the Yankees when you could just talk about his 13-inch member? That was, <laughs> that was the most interesting thing about him. <laughs> oh, God. That's funny that they, they were like, look, just don't come near this guy. We don't know. <laughs> yeah, you, we just wanted to leave him alone. We, we harassed him enough on his public access show. Yeah, he's one of the guys who, like, 
broke every single time. <laughs> it would just not afraid to just absolutely lose it on public access. If you're listening, TV, Mr. Yeah. Falcon, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> and then he went uh, talking Xbox. Yeah. And then you guys pranked him with just asking about the Yankees. <laughs> <laughs> and they did Pokemon uh, one time they too. Did, ooh. Yeah. They didn't poke down. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Pokemon, and we talked about the Yankees again. God, just uh, I think. Artie Lang called it ball busting at level red. And it was absolutely just, I, I feel so happy that I was able to hear those calls in real time because I feel like this is like what fans of the jerky boys must've felt like when that came out, just like oh knowing God, that you I, were out. I remember being on tour in 1993 or maybe 92 and hearing the jerky boys on a cassette for the first time. It was actually a bootleg cassette before, I think their first album had come out. Yeah. And and we wore the cassette out. It was just it was the greatest thing ever. Yeah, you just and, knew uh, that it was something really Oh, absolutely. Special. I lo- I went opening day to the Jerky Boys movie when it came out in 1994. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and I still freaking love that movie. Yeah, and the know. best thing though, uh even better than their movie was they did a home video for MTV in like 95 and you got to see oh. what all their characters look like. Oh, like Jack yeah. Torres and Frank Rizzo yeah, and Frank Rizzo. Saul Rosenberg. Like, but they were silhouettes of the characters and it was so freaking funny. Wow. It was awesome. That's great. Uh, so run out of time, but to finish this thing off, uh, we would love to get like, what's one thing that people don't know about Chuck Schuldner, like what, like a little thing about him, like something that people would be fascinated by. Um, I mean, I know Gene has talked about it in interviews before, but uh, I don't know if a lot of people know Chuck was an amazing cook. He and you, I think I have heard that. Yeah, yeah. he was great. Mm-hmm. But you know something? Actually, I don't think people know is Chuck used to brew his own beer, and he made wow. some of the best beer that I've ever had in my life. Seriously? He, yeah, what he kind would of make beer? it in his house. I think it was like a pale ale or something. Okay. But I remember trying it and I was like, Chuck, this is incredible. You got to, you know, market this. It was, it was awesome. And, uh, you know, Chuck was, uh, he's just one of the most humble and amazing people I've ever met. He was always excited to talk to the fans and always, uh, you know, first and foremost, he was a metal fan himself and he always was a huge metal fan. We used to just go after practice to his house and he would cook, and we'd have his homemade beer, and we'd listen to vinyl. We'd listen to, like, Sortilage from France or, Ooh. or you mm. know, a Halloween album on vinyl and or a Vandenberg album. He had all this amazing vinyl collection, and uh, he just always was a fan, first and foremost, you know. Yeah. As big as he became and as legendary as he became, he and he always um, was seeking out new music, too. I remember when the first children of bodom album came out he freaked on it he wow it. really yeah yeah like i think it was 1998 or maybe 97 i think um, it was 97, 97. It was, yeah. yeah it was probably 97 i remember him listening to that for the first time and just freaking out he loved it so wow um that was really cool as well and uh yeah he was just you know i think about him every day i, I miss him so much and he was just I'm so lucky that I got to know him and and got to be in a band with him. And he had the best sense of humor ever too. He yeah. He loved um, 
like the Jerky Boys. Oh, he did. Yeah, oh, we used to great. love watching this movie, Rock and Roll Nightmare, starring Thor on tour. Thor? Where, oh, jeez. Wait, like oh, that, my God. that Thor? Yeah, that, that Thor. Oh, yeah. The Canadian yes. Thor. That we used to watch Thor. that every night because the bass player from Benediction had it on VHS. Oh, wow. And uh, it, was the, it was the greatest movie ever. And you know what, too? Chuck loved um, the holidays. And we used to drive around oh. looking at Christmas lights. And I remember when we were on tour... In 98, with Hammerfall, we decorated the whole bus with Christmas lights, and we would watch Christmas Vacation almost every <laughs> night with Hammerfall. Oh, and my it was God. Just, it was awesome. It was so much fun, that tour. So, to like your Halloween, Christmas was like that to him. All yeah, time. well, he loved yeah. Halloween, too. But, you know, yeah. he was just a very, he was kind of like me, just a kind of a festive person and loved, you know, he was a... a the most important thing in his life was his family and he loved being mm-hmm. with his family i think that's a lot of the reason he loved like the holidays as well you know because everybody's around their family and so uh you know he he was definitely just a regular down-to-earth guy who happened to be one of the greatest musicians and songwriters of all time yeah 100 percent Richard, we want to thank you so much for dropping by and spending some time with us man we so appreciate oh, thank it. you guys thank such you. big fans uh, again uh, Charred Walls of the Damned, Creatures Watching Over the Dead, September 23rd. Pick that thing up. Some legendary musicians on that. Great songs. Richard Christie, everybody. Thank you. And you can go to metalblade.com slash CWOTD to uh, pre-order the album. And uh, you can check out this song, The Soulless, if you uh, look it up on YouTube. All right. Do it. Awesome. Thank you, guys. You know, for Rocker versus Writer, I was certain when he said King Diamond that he was going to say Abigail. Oh, my God. I was hoping that he wasn't. And then as soon as he said King Diamond, I was like, great, now I got to come up with something else. I mean, there's still plenty to choose from, <laughs> but it's to me, Abigail is by far the the top choice for making an album into a horror movie. Yeah, I know you had your heart set on arguing that one, so you got to do it. And, you know, actually, we didn't even think about them, really. And so that was a great choice, and I really enjoyed that conversation. Awesome talking horror movies with Richard Christie. Probably, like, the biggest fan of Halloween, both the movie and the holiday, pretty much on planet Earth. Yeah, I mean, that's how he comes across with pretty much everything that he does. He's just such a, like, a fun-loving guy. And, yeah. I mean, like we said, he's laughing all day. It's like, what could you be mad about? You just laughed and got paid for it for, like, eight hours. Yeah. And I mean, if you're a fan of the Howard Stern show, you have seen every single staff member on that show snap and freak out on the air because everyone's being thrown under the bus. Everyone's always just getting ripped to shreds. They just demoralize them completely. Everyone's always potential fodder. And, you know, like me coming, doing my internship at Opie and Anthony, like, I got destroyed on that show a couple times. By Jim Norton. Oh, I love little Jimmy Norton. Oh. I miss that show, man. I, I wish they were still together, but hey, what can you do? Howard Stern is still here. Richard Christie was here. Man, I had such a great time with him. Again, uh, one of the greatest metal drummers. I mean, Sound of Perseverance by Death. I mean, yeah, I mean, and a lot of people don't know about his Burning Inside band either. 
it's this cool amalgamation of like atheist pestilence a lot of that sound of perseverance style in there too so if you haven't heard that one definitely check out those two albums yeah check out those albums check out the new charred walls of the damned uh creatures watching over the dead this has been the loudwire podcast my name's graham you can follow me on twitter at gramwire and i'm joe and i don't have a twitter but you can follow us on facebook twitter youtube instagram just not home <laughs> all song. Uh, yes and please go to loudwire.com for all your daily rock and metal news we're gonna go play some dukin let's do it see ya <laughs>